Hello listeners, we'd like to ask you to join us in a minute of silence as we remember the life of Howard Finkel, who passed this week at 69 years old. Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we forget that it's all at work. Our three-part being the elite that starts off with a very funny segment of Matt Hardy giving the rules to a squash match. Oh, honestly, out of the three episodes they did this week, I think Matt Hardy explaining rules was my favorite part of each. It was a very good bit. (laughs) So the rules of a squash match. There is a three-minute time limit. Jobbers can only perform one offensive move. Jobbers can't be in better shape or have better tans than their opponents. And the overact has to use a finisher from the Legion of Doom, Acolytes, or Steiner Brothers. <laughs> like, that's a good set of rules, really. It really is. It's, it's a solid rule set. So, we have a squash match to lead <laughs> off the show between SCU and Team High Risk at the BTE compound with Scorpio Sky... A member of SCU as the guest referee. Yeah, uh, like, I think that's a little bit of a conflict of interest. But then I remembered it's a squash match, so it doesn't really matter. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, they followed the rules to the letter. It was very exact. It was very fun to watch. I still think Team High Risk deserves another look after all all things are said and done and we can get back to normal touring wrestling. Yeah, like, I'm sure... they've been around the the guys for a while now so they must not be hated (laughs) yeah you don't spend a bunch of time hanging out with the young bucks like that and not get at least something from it young bucks and scu and like two really good tag teams Mm -hmm. so worst case they're training with some of the best yeah just not a bad foot in the door no it's not a bad way to get your foot in the door But a bad foot in the door is definitely something that can happen when a door gets slammed on your foot. Yep. I don't recommend it. I've broken a toe that way. I'm not surprised. I'll ask for the story later. 
I was wearing um, can- I was wearing can like the canvas slip-on Vans, so I had no foot protection whatsoever. You're you're basically barefoot. Yeah, and they were old canvas slip-on Vans, so the rubber had worn down. So you might as well have been barefoot. <laughs> yeah. So um, our next little thing is Matt talking about how they rented the PWG ring. Yeah, which is a really good thing to know because. Otherwise, they just had a rig show up in their backyard for some reason. But it's really nice to know that they're renting it. So, like, that implies there's some cash flow going to PWG. Right, right. Like, giving, you know, giving these smaller indie promotions a way to make a little bit of money by renting out the ring during quarantine is a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. It shows, like, I don't know, for me, the thing that's, you know, different about AEW versus the other company is the way that they know that the indies are important to their product. So they support the indies. Yeah. Cause you know, that that's where they came from as opposed to the other company that's run by one person and has one performance center and one training league. And doesn't know anything else about the business. Yeah. Uh, We had a good segment with Luchasaurus looking for his tail. Still, he calls jungle boy on the phone. Jungle boy's phone is a banana. Surprising no one, but kind of everyone. Like a really old-looking banana, though. <laughs> like, brown. He's updated Banana 4. He needs to get the green edition. <laughs> oh. So we get a segment with Tommy Dreamer, which was nice. Yep. He basically tells Luchasaurus to fuck off. It's great watching everyone tell Luchasaurus to go fuck off. Because, like, the- Tommy Dreamer kind of made luchasaurus and jungle boy and then and supposedly they haven't talked to him since yeah i i i that's a work obviously but like it's still very funny so yeah for for all these segments of luchasaurus calling people i just have so-and-so told luchasaurus to fuck off um joey ryan told luchasaurus to fuck off joey ryan's got a okay We've talked about this before on this show, I think, mm-hmm. but Joey Ryan is one of those few men who look better with a porn stash than they do with a full beard. Yes. And maybe it's because the porn stash is part of his character. It could be that it is so synonymous now, but I don't know. It just works for him. It really does. Like, okay, so for those of you in the audience who aren't familiar with Joey Ryan... Aaron, would you like to explain his gimmick? Oh, God. Or would you, would I, you I'll, ex- I'll explain it. Okay. So the character of Joey Ryan is a complete sleazeball. You know, he, he he looks like a 70s porn star, complete with the obscene body hair, the full mustache, and all that. Comes down, he has baby oil with him. So he, he does all that. And his big move is a uh, dick spot, by which I mean his opponent grabs his dick and then gets tossed around the ring. <laughs> by his dick. Yep. There's a really good video on YouTube of uh, the time that RJ City wrestled Joey Ryan. And instead of fighting him, he sang a song to Joey Ryan's dick. <laughs> And then Joey Ryan's dick sang back. (laughs) Arjay still lost the match. Of course, yeah. Because it's Joey Ryan. But But 
I mean, what other what other place are you going to have someone sing a duet with a dick? <laughs> and like an actual dick, not just someone being a dick. Right. A, a, a human penis is singing a duet with a man about how much they love each other. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Only in wrestling. Oh, I, I love this sport. I really do. It's so incredible. Uh... <laughs> now, that being said, I... I'm not a fan of Joey Ryan's character. It's just, it's not for me. I'm not a big fan of the dick spot. Uh, Joey Ryan himself seems like a complete angel. <laughs> yeah, no, he he plays the sleazeball very well, but, like, everything that I've heard about him is very positive. Um, in inter- Like, I mean, like, he, he does intergender matches, too. He still does the dick spot, but, like, with all of his matches, he clears it beforehand with the performer. Hey, are we okay doing the dick spot? Yeah. Like, I know this is weird. Are you okay with touching my schwang? <laughs> I hope he says exactly like that. I hope so too. But it, yeah, no. So we get a very good little hey, fuck off Luchasaurus segment. Kenny Omega's at the gym. Uh, talking about how after his matches, before his matches, he does a single extremely high weight rep to get really swole. And then after his matches, he comes back and he maxes out on the bar at a weight slightly lower than his max, which for the comedic gag is all of the 15 pound <laughs> bar plus two 10 pound weights. Oh, this isn't the first time he's done this on AEW uh, promo packages, mm-hmm. but it's still funny every time I see it. It is really funny. So he gets, uh, he, he also mentions specifically that after his matches, he doesn't just stroll backstage and eat some chips. Yep. So he gets <laughs> stuck under the bar after two reps, which is his burnout workout is two reps of uh, what? 35 pound weight 25 35 something like that yeah 15 pound bar 10 pound weights on each side makes 35 okay yeah uh so he's stuck he's like help 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 can i get a spot somebody help (laughs) and then chips start raining down on his forehead blinding him momentarily with their salt when who should arrive but colt cabana (laughs) helping him to helping him with a spot saving his life really Really? Then when Kenny notices that it's Colt, Colt throws the chips at him and runs away <laughs> in another Looney Tunes spot. I'm going to keep calling these Looney Tunes spots because I think that's the most apt way to describe it. That's And it's honestly what they are. Like, th- these are real life cartoons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love seeing it every time. <laughs> these two just play so well off each other with not so much as being stupid and being angry. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very funny. Like, it's it's very much Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. Yep. After this, we saw Hangman hanging out at home when he comes across a tweet by pre- Private Party uh, calling him out, kind of. Basically. So he calls someone and says he has a job for them. But we don't find out who that is yet. No, that's for a later episode <laughs> of the three episodes that we have to cover. Um, we get another Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler spot where they ask Scorpio Sky who lost their match, and he says they both did. Yep. So they decide to face him in a triple threat match. Scorpio Sky proceeds to pin both Avalon and Cutler at the same time. 
after Cutler specifically said, I'm either going to win or not get pinned. <laughs> Which is even more embarrassing. Now, this one wasn't quite a squash match because Cutler and Avalon each got a couple moves in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just one. No, and like, I feel like they're they're definitely trying out new jobbers with the whole like pulling guys from the indies thing. Yep. Um, then we get a little brief moment of Nick and Matt Youngbuck talking about <laughs> how Nick wants the match to prove he's 100%. Matt doesn't want to have the match. But he wants to have it at the granddaddy of them all. The showcase of the immortals. Being the elite 200. They specifically call it the showcase of the immortals. <laughs> oh gosh. They just steal all the WrestleMania taglines for it. Mm-hmm. But that does bring us into the second part of this three-part, being the Elite, where we had Matt Hardy again going over the rules for an under-the-limit battle royal. Yes, which specifically is under the maximum gathering limit so that they didn't violate the rules as laid out by the state of California at time of filming. And they have a disclaimer that like they followed the rules at the time of recording, yeah. The rules have since changed, which is why they don't have other stuff. Yeah. They recorded a bunch of BTEs while they still had time and like they still had that like limitation and or the limitation was what it was rather than the more strict limitation that they have now. Yeah. So th- they planned that ahead at least. Mm-hmm. So the rules are a new entrant every 60 seconds. A new entrant can be two wrestlers if they happen to be jobbers. <laughs> And finally, the winner gets to main event BTE episode 200 with a match of their choosing. Exciting. From, assumedly, one of the guys who happen to be, you know, at the BTE compound. <laughs> assumedly, but you never know. This is wrestling. Anything can happen. Britt Baker, Finn Dums, Tony Schiavone <laughs> again some more. Yeah, they end up calling up that psychic guy they've had on a few times. He's not worried about Tony Pang he's got that WCW money, mm-hmm. which is just hilarious to me still. It was very funny. He remarks that there's still heat between Tony and Mick Foley over Tony spoiling Mick Foley's WWE title win on Nitro during the Monday Night Wars. The time when WCW officially lost the Monday Night Wars. <laughs> By spoiling the other show. Yeah, yeah. Mick Foley's going to win their top title oh shit everyone gotta see that (laughs) so they go through that whole thing tony gets fed up and hangs up on both of them eventually and then gets a call from starbucks saying he's promoted to to head barista for the atlanta store (laughs) you know the atlanta location yes (laughs) the one the one starbucks in atlanta apparently yeah it's not like everywhere else in the world atlanta only has one let's see how many starbucks are in atlanta (laughs) proper there's, like, surprisingly few, actually. Oh, really? Unless these are just neighborhoods and not cities, but, like, I don't know. It, it's less an every corner sort of thing than it is in other cities. Okay, that's fair, then. But there's definitely still a lot. Luchasaurus has a weird nightmare. Of Super Panda, Taya, and his mother. Who is a dinosaur, obviously. And then a very dead dinosaur. <laughs> the meteor hits Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm not entirely sure where they're going with this whole story i think it's just to do something with luchasaurus yeah 
It's like, I don't know where you're going to end up with this, but I'm kind of curious. So I'm going to keep watching. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's funky. Um, we have Kenny Omega trying to go to the bathroom before his match. <laughs> uh, one of the washrooms is apparently closed, and the other one has been converted into a unisex washroom, mm-hmm. which is occupied. He knocks on the bathroom door, and the person inside says, oh, I'll be right out. <laughs> After a couple more knocks, the door opens and it's Colt, obviously. Saying he's working here? <laughs> I'm working here. So he goes around the corner to the uh, out-of-order bathroom and tries to go in there to where Colt is still in there somehow. Yes, so they did like a quick camera turn where Kenny was like pacing around the office, mm-hmm. which is when Colt assuredly switched bathrooms. Yeah, very, very good timing on their part. Yeah, they did that very well. He then tosses some TP at Kenny Omega and tells him to go outside. <laughs> Kenny Omega promises he will get his revenge on Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana says, no, you won't. <laughs> and that right there is the most Looney Tunes part of this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, you, you won't. won't get revenge on me. <laughs> so you have the Under the Limit Battle Royale next. Where we start off with all three members of SCU are numbers one, two, and three. Uh, Scorpio, Sky, and Kazarian start fighting right away. Christopher Daniels tries to break them up. Say, hey, we're a team. We should be in this together until the end, and then we'll figure out who wins. At which point they both lariat him out of the ring. <laughs> oh, it's so good. At some point, Scorpio Sky gets eliminated and just starts playing basketball. <laughs> Peter Avalon was in for a bit, but misses a body splash from the top rope, gets bullied by everyone, and just eliminates himself. <laughs> yeah, Peter Avalon eliminated himself. But he did last longer than Brendan Cutler, who went in, turned around, and got super kicked out. <laughs> it was funny. It was, it was really funny. The jobbers were doing an adequate job jobbing. Yeah, yeah, they did. They look pretty good in this, actually, you know. Didn't have to worry about being pinned, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. SCU went for a pinfall and a submission on each other. And the ref had to remind them, no pinfalls, no submissions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, we're doing it this way. I forgot. <laughs> so uh, the match ends with Matt and Nick Youngbuck facing off against each other as the final two. On the apron. On the apron. So they're doing some good apron work. It's like very well done. And then we find out after Nicholas Youngbuck decides he wants to win this more than anything, that they will be facing each other in a no DQ match for BTE 200's main event. Yep, that's the match that Nick wants. That's the match Nick's going to get. So, Part three. Part three is basically just a hype package and promo kind of thing going on for the match. Basically, I did enjoy it in the start where they had Matt and Nick talking. It's like, okay, Matt, uh, where's this going to be held? And he's got all these wild ambitions. Like, he'll have it anywhere, anyplace, anytime. It's like, well, we're kind of under quarantine. It's like, and Nick, they asked Nick that. It's like, it's in my backyard. <laughs> They asked Matt, you know, how's he going to be his brother? It's like, well, I'm not going to tell you my brother's weaknesses. That would just be terrible. And Nick's like, I'm going after his back. <laughs> um, they also ask Matt 
how does how do they think this rank is gonna rank in terms of the biggest matches of his career? <laughs> and he's like, it's definitely gonna be the biggest match of my career. And then Brandon Cutler's like, okay, but what about you guys versus Kenny Omega and Hangman? Okay, second biggest match. Uh, what about that match you had with the Lucha Brothers? Okay, third biggest match. So that joke runs throughout the episode. Eventually, they finish on ninth biggest match of their <laughs> career. Yep, still pretty good. He's had a 16-year career. Mm-hmm. Top 10 isn't bad. They ask pretty much everyone they can find, like all of SCU. Uh, they ask Colt and Kenny. Mm-hmm. Kenny freaks out when he realizes Colt is on the show again. <laughs> I, I did enjoy Colt saying, uh, yeah, I can see this being a big thing for them because... Like myself, they've been in all the episodes of being the elite. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Omega loses it. <laughs> Hangman doesn't care. No, Hangman just takes a drink. He looks very confused at the camera. <laughs> Marty Scroll shows up. That was cool, actually. Matt and Nick Jackson, why the hell would I care? Those guys are dead to me, <laughs> is his exact quote. Yeah, no, that's cool because Marty Scroll is the booker for ring of honor now mm-hmm. so there was a lot of concern that there would never be like that reunion kind of thing for mm-hmm. the elite and the bullet club and villain club and all that so to have him show up on a bt after that like that's pretty big yeah flip gordon cameos and asks <laughs> if he can get booked because <laughs> flip gordon oh, god damn it the planet is round flip yeah, no, there's a good moment where, like, the basically the episode ends off with uh, Matt and Nick facing off with each other while filming a segment with Brandon Cutler. Making Cutler very awkward. They they basically turn the camera and it's both of them in a mirror, like, talking at each other. Yeah. And it's very well framed. Like, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. They did a lot of good camera work this, this episode, actually. Mm-hmm. And that is all of BTE 199. Parts 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> 199, 200, 201. So we're excited for episode 203 come this Monday. Would you like to jump into Dark? Yes, because Dark this week is nice and easy. It's a single match. It's Sean Spears taking on Billy Gunn. Of the Gun Club. With his son Austin at ringside. I do love having Austin at the ringside because he is very energetic and loud and he fills that arena himself. It's also worth noting that for legal reasons, they bill him as Billy of the gun club. Yeah. <laughs> Not Billy Gunn. <laughs> kind of like how in the start they would have Cody and Brandy Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Although now he's just using the mononym because he wants to because he has the right to use cody rhodes again after yep. he gave the right to wwe for them to use his dad's name yep but he's been doing cody so long it just makes more sense for him to keep doing that officially mm-hmm. we all know him as cody rhodes so so we have billy and austin gunn from the gun club billy gunn still looks and is massive and swole as fuck. Yeah. Like, Sean Spears is not a small guy. No. Billy Gunn's like eight fucking feet tall. Yeah. He's like, he is like, actually like really close to seven feet tall though. Mm-hmm. He's seven feet tall and you can't teach that. <laughs> he's not, he's not the agent you want yelling at you is what we're saying. <laughs> 
He's seven feet tall and you can't. He's actually six three. Okay, so he's actually not like super super tall, but he's like comparatively tall. Yeah. Wow. Might as well be seven feet. <laughs> no, they had a really good match. I like Sean playing the uh, the, the the more cowardly part in this, mm-hmm. where he's asking for like timeouts. Time out! Time out! Time out! Time out! <laughs> Oh, I'm 6'3". You can teach that. (laughs) (laughs) Platforms. You know, and then you figure the ring adds another three feet or so, so. Yeah, so that puts you at, like, what, nine feet off the ground? Yep. I I do love sitting ringside and looking up at a match and saying, yep, they are giants. And then seeing them at at the intermission is like, I'm taller than you. (laughs) Seeing them at the merch table. Oh, hi. <laughs> You're down there now. Okay. That has literally never happened to me. I know it has. Because <laughs> you haven't been to a wrestling show. No. Like, even when I meet, like, like, I, so I go to anime cons a lot. Like, when you meet the actors and everything like that in anime, it's like, oh, hi. <laughs> Every single time for me. She was looking up there. Never once have I... Okay, that's not true. Um, I forget who it was. It might have been... Sorry, we're gonna go into anime talk. <laughs> it, it was somewhat... Colleen Clinkenbeard. She was shorter than me. But very few people are shorter than me. That's fair. I'm not tall. <laughs> it's okay, Kat. I'm tall for the both of us. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, for context, I'm... As of last time, I measured five foot six, Which is admittedly still relatively tall for a woman but like i'm very small <laughs> your fun size no that's marco stunt he's like four and a half feet tall <laughs> actually how tall is marco stunt i'm gonna be really upset if i'm the same height as marco oh stunt. goodness can you imagine oh thank god he's shorter okay how tall is marco stunt five two Okay, so we can get you to meet Marco Stunt, and you can have that experience of being taller than someone. Okay, fair. <laughs> I'm about, I'm, I'm like, so before my driver's license, when I lied about my height, had me at the same height as Joey Janela. Was he like 5'8 or something? Exactly that. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway Sean Spears versus Billy. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, no, just a really good, solid match. Mm-hmm. Billy Gunn played very no-nonsense to everything Sean was doing. Right. Sean ran to get away from him and just uh, took the upper hand when he could. Right. Billy Gunn was definitely playing the straight man in this match. Yep. And it worked well. It was straight man, funny man, duo comedy, mm-hmm. plus wrestling. Plus very solid wrestling, yeah. We got a Famouser, we got a C4. There was a lot going on in this match for all 14 minutes of it. Like, Yeah, Dark this week was only like 20 minutes long. It was only the one match. My thing is, like, I know AEW's goal isn't to, you know, be that showcase of older guys rotating in and out and only showing up every once in a while for a huge crowd pop to make, like, I don't know, to sell tickets in Saudi Arabia, say. <laughs> Okay, I hear you. So I don't mind when Billy Gunn shows up every once in a while on an episode of Dark. 
Because, like, he's a coach for the company, so he's there. Mm-hmm. And particularly in times like this, you gotta take who you can get. And Billy Gunn's there, so you may as well use him. Yeah. And the fact that you've got him in the company and he's willing to put over the other talent that is on mm-hmm. the main roster. That's something a lot of guys won't do. Mm-hmm. So, like, Billy Gunn definitely has that selflessness in the way that he works now that is something that's, like, good for the industry as a whole because it makes the talent you have look better. Yeah. Like, Billy Gunn doesn't need to prove that he looks good. No, we've all seen Billy Gunn work. We've all seen what he can do. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him win again some point. Mm-hmm. But I, I've gone through marking out for Billy Gunn. Like it, I've got, we've got to move on and give other people the limelight. Exactly. And that's like the, that's the understanding that I think kind of differentiates the way that the two companies operate. Yes. So, uh, Sean Spears wins the match, defeating Billy of the Gun Club. Um, that's dark. So, before we head into Dynamite this week, we're actually on time. Oh, wow. Look at that. Right? How do we do that? I don't know. We had more to, I guess we had more to cover. So I like kind of controlled the tangents. Probably. <laughs> so a little bit of mid roll here. Yeah, let's, let's all go to the mid roll. Let's all go to the mid roll. Let's all go to the mid roll and grab ourselves a drink. With the recent news in the world of wrestling and the world at large, marking out with my girlfriend would like to open our humble little platform to anyone affected. Anyone interested can send us a voice clip up to one minute long to plug whatever you want, be that your merch store or, you know, I guess really just merch store, huh? Or any projects. Fair. We can be reached through hello at sosays.ca, marking out at sosays.ca, or through Twitter at sosesmedia. That's S-O-S-E-S dot C-A or S-O-S-E-S media. So second thing to plug, by the way, this fucking channel that we're on right now. Oh, yeah. Look how sweet this is. I know, it's the same set that we have all the time. <laughs> it's a Twitch stream. You, you know what? It's easy to carry around. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so we're looking at expanding our media branding by putting specific products here on the So Says Twitch channel, updating the So Says website, and working on putting out more and interesting content for you. So, if you keep an eye out over the coming weeks on twitter.com, just at So Says Media on Twitter, that's at S-O-S-E-S Media, you'll find all sorts of fun announcements coming up. In particular, you probably want to keep an eye out on the 4th of next month keep an eye out on so says media's twitter for a very special announcement coming on the 4th of next month because what comes after april is it may hmm i wonder if the 4th of may has any particular significance may the 4th watch out on so says media's social medias wait a minute may the 4th that sounds like you have a list when you're saying something from star wars I wouldn't, but you might. Have a list or say something from Star Wars. Yes. 
At this point, yes. <laughs> yeah, actually. I'm just trying to get through this promo. <laughs> oh, it's not going to stop. This is going to be the rest of the show. Oh, goodness. No, I'm kidding. But for real, we're very excited for the upcoming announcement. We've been working very hard on putting together something really cool and really exciting. So keep an eye out because we may have another podcast feed for you to subscribe to come the 4th of next month. Anyway, in the meantime, let's get back into the news. Back to the show. The show being Dynamite. The first match. Well, we started Dynamite off with another pre-recorded Jake promo. Right. This time cutting down Colt Cabana, who's going to be taking on Lance Archer tonight in the tournament match. We got a promo from Colt where he talks about being like the company side underdog. Because mm-hmm. he, he's this older guy. They don't really expect that much from him. He's there because of his name and the help he can give to the younger guys. So like the corporate side sees him as an underdog, but the fans might not. Right. For And like uh, we have a note here for producer Aizu specifying, imagine if that promo had a strap on. Everyone can get that joke now, because that episode went up last night. (laughs) So you can hear why strap-on is so funny around here, and why it's so funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) What if we took an actual promo photo for, like, a fake match between the two of us, and instead of a belt on my shoulder, I just had my strap-on? I don't know where we could post that without being flagged i mean like i i take the i take the silicone dick out it would just be like it would just be the strap yeah oh goodness we can do this we can definitely do this yeah we can um i know it's called a harness but the joke was just too good we have the promos and then we have the match i was a little bit surprised to see colt versus lance as the opening match for this show mm-hmm. i expected it to be like the first hour main event because you know moxie's gonna be the second hour main event for it but for it to be opening the show was it, it kind of took me off my game a bit yeah no i mean like it i don't know where else you'd fit it though is the thing but very true Especially because our final match was a fucking marathon. A little bit, yeah. They had a lot of commercial breaks there. But yes, Lance Archer versus Cole Cabana in the TNT title tournament, uh, where Lance comes out and kills some rando in the crowd. <laughs> like, before even even starting the match, he just decks some guy and then gets in the ring. Because he's a murder hawk. Yeah. He... He's not a love hawk. No. Maybe he'll go face someday and we can change his name then. If he does change his name to Love Hook, I want 5% up front. Or at least free merch. No, 5% up front. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost out of my drink, if that explains things. Yep. And unlike Adam Page, you're not using iced tea. No. I'm using real bourbon. Oh, goodness. 
So yeah, right from the start, we, we got a feel of how this was going to go, and that it was definitely going to be longer than Lancer, mm -hmm. Lance's other matches. Yes, because he keeps trying. He keeps putting pressure on Colt, setting up things, but Colt doesn't fall anything, fall for anything, because he's a veteran. He knows what, what to look for. Right, Colt has the ring awareness. Uh, eventually, Archer catches him in a full Nelson slam, which is something I haven't really seen used in quite a while. No, I like. It, it doesn't get shown on American wrestling that much. It really doesn't. Like, it's one of those moves that, like, definitely has that feeling of, oh, God. Yeah, it is a big, impressive move, and it sounds like hell when it lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of good... <laughs> there's a lot of good segments in this match. You know, Cole Cabana gets some pretty good looks. Cole Cabana looked angry for most of the match. Which is very different from how Colt looks in his other matches, which is like, I'm having a blast. Yeah, usually he's very jovial, just bouncing around, being the comedy guy. But yeah, he looked all serious and all angry in this one, especially at the times where Archer was no-selling chops, mm -hmm. where he was really no-selling the, the dusty punches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, he was laughing through those. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Colt does get some offense through with with an elbow that staggers Lance. He managed to do that a couple times. Yes, the uh, the elbow that is so very aptly pointed out to be the state flag of Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> yep. One of the things that I thought was interesting about this match was the way that, like, the way that Jericho talks about other heels mm -hmm. is very interesting because it's like he kind of, like, like, with Lance Archer, he's like, you know, if if he told me to move, I'd move. Like, even Jericho is afraid of Lance Archer. Yeah. But at the start, he's like, yeah, I know, I'd punch him out. He's like, what? No. <laughs> he he kind of goes back and forth depending who's currently winning, the match, mm -hmm. it sounds like. Which is the perfect thing for Jericho. Yes. Because it's like that, like, kind of, like, cowardliness that I think works well for him as a heel. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely not a tank or anything. No. But he, he is among the best of cowardly heels. Absolutely. So we get like a very good back and forth, but a chokeslam and a blackout, you're not really gonna no come out of that alive. That yeah. <laughs> so yeah, think, my, my brackets are all wrong now. I think it was a good... Is a good way to like make Lance Archer still look dominant. Yep. Without hurting Colt Cabana's credibility too much. Yeah, and that's like one of the good things of having someone like Colt Cabana or on Dark with uh, Billy Gunn, where mm -hmm. they're established, you can't really hurt their credibility. Right. They can only build up from here. Right. They're established like personalities and presences. Mm hmm. Less so for say one of the matches we have later in the night <laughs> like kip sabian and tracky t yeah but we'll, we'll get to that one um so we get a lovable dr Britt baker promo where she lays out the rules of being a role model which includes always fight fair Mm-hmm. which we know Britt baker does yeah no Always well within the rules, never bending or twisting anything. Or 
stomping on anything. No, never. <laughs> and that's when she finishes her drink. Oh, no, I finished my drink last match discussion. That was only the little bit of ice melt. Oh, okay, that's fair. We get hype package for Hager versus Moxley. We get Taz doing a video tutorial of Hager's head and arm choke. I honestly love these, where Taz just breaks down suplexes and submissions and finishing moves and all that in these little, like, three-minute packages, because it's like, now I understand exactly what to look for when this goes on. Right, and, like, that's the benefit of having someone like Taz around, is that he can go through and, like, explain this stuff in detail. Yep. With his little right-on-the-screen Taz pad, <laughs> where he circles Penelope Ford's ass. So, our next match is well within the rules for a squash match. <laughs> it's laid out by Matt Hardy. It is Dr. Britt Baker versus Cassandra Golden. This is Cassandra's second match with AEW. Mm-hmm. Because she was on Dark back in February, I think they said. I think so. I don't remember that match going much better than this one, really. No. <laughs> it, it's a very quick match that ends with uh, Britt getting a curb stomp onto Cassandra with her mouth on the third rope and rolling up for the three. In a minute ten. Which is a good way to have Britt Baker rebound after the loss last week. Yeah. Although, with breaking her nose and everything and how she looked after the match, I don't know if she needed to rebound that much. No, I think the, the blood was a good selling point. Yeah, this was, this was like a good solidification of Britt right now. Right. But she she really didn't need the push. She looked great at the end of last week's match. No, she she definitely did. It was it was good. Sheeta was in the crowd, suitably unimpressed. Yep. And also in like a hoodie and t-shirt, which was adorable. I I appreciate that like I appreciate both the people who make the uh ring attire for wrestlers and the wrestlers who make their own ring attire. Like Sheeta. Sheeta and Colt Cabana. <laughs> Both make their own ring attire, which is really impressive. Yeah. Nyla's wife makes her ring attire. I know Leva Bates makes her own attire. It's pretty cool. Because when she was doing the indies, she was cosplaying every match. Mm -hmm. So she would have to make her own ring attire. <laughs> you can't buy that normally. You really... Uh, you can't do everything but make your own, like vault uniform that's also <laughs> ring attire oh uh, yeah brandon cutler's wife makes his and the young books outfits yeah so like i just like general shout out to the people who make any sort of ring attire because it's impressive yeah you do a really good job and like you deserve praise and credit and honestly brandon cutler probably has the best entrance gear in the business that he does. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that. <laughs> oh, there was also a moment in one of the packages from Being the Elite this week. So we hear Brandy Cutler's phone go off and it's a Critical Role theme song to the surprise of precisely no one. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of interesting. Brandon Cutler's entrance music is written by the same guy who wrote the Critical Role theme song, Jason Charles Miller. Okay. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, he is in the, like, okay, he's in a, it's like an industrial kind of band. Okay. Called 
godhead. Okay. I will have to look that up after the show then. Yeah. I'm always in for more industrial. It's pretty solid. I listened to it back when I... Because he, you know, he does all sorts of music, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. As most musicians do. <laughs> but, like, he's also done some actual play shows on Twitch where they had a party that was all bards. Oh, no. Like, intentionally, it was an all bard party. And, yeah. like, the point was that they were the different flavors of bard and they performed together as a musical act. And then they would perform their own actual music. It, okay, so it's not like three bards and a barbarian? No. Okay. Just, they were all multi-class bards. Okay. But they were all bards as their base class. So anyway, back to the show. Back to the show with the bubbly bunch. The bubbly bunch. And so yeah, it was the inner circle having like a phone conversation going over recent events in AEW. Like a, a video, a teleconference. There you go, yeah. And I think this is the most scripted promo that's ever been done in AEW. Probably. <laughs> just everything about it, it it's just the, the cadence and the words and how they're going about it. It's like, it, this is this is so over-scripted and I lo- kind of love it for it. Mm-hmm. I also very much love seeing Proud and Powerful again. Yes, I, I appreciate time. Ortiz hanging out with his stuffed animals. Yep. <laughs> Who's going to tell him not to? Right. And Jericho finishes up. I, I'm pretty sure he was making like a delayed mimosa because he poured some orange juice onto his stove, mostly onto his stove. And he had a bottle of bubbly with him. So I figured, you know, he's probably going to drink them separately and they become a mimosa inside, inside his stomach. All right, a delayed mimosa. <laughs> It's totally a thing. Just trust me. So yeah, no, it was it was pretty good. Uh, we got a segment where Jericho mocks Hangman for just not being there. <laughs> and then jokes if Cody fed Hangman to Pharaoh because he just hasn't been there for so long. It's like, yeah. it, just, it was good. I, I appreciate the inner circle turning goofier and goofier as the need arises. Yeah, it's like they're providing a nice break. While still doing the heelish promos, mm-hmm. I'm sure when when we come back, the things like they'll they'll jump right back into ultra douche mode again. No, for sure. And like one of those things that they have to do is like basically you've gotta you gotta do what you gotta do right now, and then when like when we're back to normal as it were, quote unquote. You know, things eventually just start to go down. And, like, you let the promos work themselves. Yep. We got up to this point through promo work. We can get right back down. Exactly. Right back down. To the strap-on. God damn it. (laughs) She doesn't like that I'm using it against her now. No. So we have a fairly easy night of work for sammy coming up where it's sammy versus pineapple sugar dunkerton sug d pete i'm imagining where all the all the uh quotes are in that one but yeah honestly a good match i liked a lot of what i saw there's one point right at the start where should has 
a wrist lock on mm-hmm. Sammy and starts dancing through it, making Sammy do it too. So he looks at him and goes, what the fuck are you doing? I don't even know. And close lines him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a, it was a fun match for a quick match. Yeah. You know, Shugdi is good at what he does right now. What they need for him is to put over the guys he wrestles. Yep. I will say that I think this match had the same basic layout as the Colt and Lance match right up to the tackle slash high knee at the end. Mm -hmm. Just something I noticed during because they filmed a bunch all at once. So you're going to get overlap. You're going to have people seeing things and unknowingly borrowing them or. Right, right. And like, I mean, the match ended with a rather savage looking GTS. Yeah. Which was fun. So like it, you know, it's good. It's what, again, the guy going into the tournament is always going to win against the jobber. Yep, every time. Oh, that is a good note from producer Aitsu. How thirsty is Jericho for Sammy? It's like entirely plus some. Almost, almost to the degree that Jimmy Havoc is thirsty for Kip Sabian. Oh, speaking of Kip Sabian. Real good transition there. I've had two now. Uh, yeah, so have I. <laughs> I definitely know real good transitions. Kip Sabian and Chuck Taylor is the next match we have up. Yes, with Penelope Ford and Orange Cassidy at ringside. Yeah, so Chuck was very smart. He knew Penelope was going to be out there, so he brought Orange Cassidy out with him as backup. At some point in the start, uh, Tony Giovanni makes an edibles joke. (laughs) I didn't write down what it was, because I didn't go back and find it, but I'm pretty sure it was there. Probably. This match had a lot of the flavor that I would have come to expect from Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy working together in, like, Beyond Wrestling. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I will never object to, because talkative Orange Cassidy is my favorite Orange Cassidy. (laughs) Could go around the world, baby! And then he gets up on the ropes and does, like, a foot. I adore Orange Cassidy. What's not to adore about him, really, though? Just, like, the, like, the, the, like, when they, when you let him talk, the things he says are so funny. Yep. The first thing he's recorded as having said in AEW was telling Chucky T to do a 630. <laughs> do a 630. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Like, I want more of that, Orange Cassidy. Yeah. And eventually, okay, so no, we're, we're, let's, let's, let's place our bets here and now. Mm-hmm. What happens first? Chuck Taylor gets to say the shit word on TV, or Chuck Taylor gets Swamp Monster on TV? At this rate, I think they're going to get Swamp Monster first. That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. It might just be easier to get the costume down there for someone. You can put anyone in the Swamp Monster costume. You can put a couple people in the Swamp Monster costume. Or you get actual Swamp Monster. That would be best, yes. Just, like, the more, like, just more Chikara guys. Cat, let's just go watch old Chikara. I will. I have been. Okay, let's keep doing it. I've been watching it. a bunch of Fire Ant matches. Doesn't wrestle like that anymore, does he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> you know, I've also been watching some more like recent Chikara matches as well. Because there's there's a lot of talent in Chikara. Oh, yeah. 
and they've always had a good eye for talent too and giving people chances right letting people play in gimmicks that might not get a lot of play other places and develop themselves their ability to play their character yeah stuff like that because like you know you aren't born playing a character you have to learn it and chikara lets you stick with something that's weird yeah and run it to its natural conclusion or several natural conclusions if you're some of the older guys yeah and you know i love it obviously the people who work there love it <laughs> i would hope so i mean bryce ramsberg still referees for chikara mm-hmm. even though he's with aew yeah that's true the el generico hug it out moment was chikara was it i thought that was ring of honor no i think that was chikara I'm curious now, because I need to know if I'm wrong. It's on your wrestling playlist. Because Chikara also does a lot of crossover with like the more seasoned indie yeah, promotions. That's a, yeah, that's a Ring of Honor ring. Well, then it was Ring of Honor. I was wrong. <laughs> if we want to talk about great Chikara El Generico moments, there was the four-way during the 2008... I want to say, mm-hmm. uh, Trios Weekend, where it was Generico, Kota Ibushi, Nick Jackson, and Jigsaw. Yeah, that's a good fucking match. That is a great match. The, the whole, the whole, like, middle part between Ibushi and Generico is wonderful. I love the feud they have through that, where I still don't think Generico ever actually beat him. Now that he's stuck playing a marxist (laughs) now he just wins him morally (laughs) now he just wins him wow now he just beats him morally wait who beats who more on him who wins the moral victory here i don't know because cat don't make me think too hard i read off notes for a reason (laughs) ibushi works for new japan generico i guess did save those orphans Yep. Okay, yeah, Generico wins the moral victory. <laughs> so anyway, Chuck Taylor versus Kip Sabian, where we had a very heavy counter-wrestling match mm-hmm. and the start. Very quick, lots of reversals, reversals into reversals, mm-hmm. ducking to the outside and chasing. Then Chucky T just being himself when he has the advantage over Kip, mm-hmm. posing for the camera, smiling. Just being happy Chuck Taylor that we all love. The Kentucky gentleman himself. <laughs> yes. Producer <laughs> I, I was pointing out that uh, Chikara has the moment where they knew we, we were wrestling compatible when I showed them the army at grenade match. The grenade match! <laughs> oh, God. That was such a good match. And I will say this right now. I will trade... Chucky T being able to say shit on TV for Chucky T using a grenade in AEW. An invisible grenade. (laughs) I would trade him being able to say shit on TV for him to use one of his gimmick names. Oh, goodness. I want another match where he loses his name and has to wrestle under a bunch of gimmick names. Oh. Like... It would have been really funny if the best friends had lost to Kenny Omega and Michael Nagasawa. 
and had to come up with other names for themselves for a while until they could win it back. That that would have been something, actually, because I'm willing to bet he has just as long a list of tag team names. I, there's gotta be. Uh, <laughs> there's gotta how, be. How do we get into this uh, chat room where he has this list going? I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's a, like, long text chain. <laughs> I yep. think with him and like a bunch of other people, including Orange Cassidy. <laughs> That's the real goal of this podcast. Our, our real goal is to, to get in direct contact with Chuck Taylor and get his list of names. <laughs> so I can send him some of my suggestions. <laughs> Have you had any new suggestions this week? Uh, no, I was so busy with work. I forgot. That's valid. I'm gonna review. I haven't looked at these in like a week. <laughs> I'm still a pr- I'm, I'm still a fan of Gina the Peanut Carter. <laughs> oh God, no! Uh, wait, did you not? Did I not read you Gina the Peanut Carter last week? I don't week? think you did. I don't I remember that did. one. Bare knuckle Betty the Butch Robinson, and her finishing <laughs> move, the finger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A lot of my wrestlers are lesbian themed. That's okay. A lot of trucks are dick themed. I know. You write what you know. I still think though that my favorite one is Yif Jackson. Oh, easily. Yif Jackson, the the young brother, the young bucks, long lost younger brother who happens to be a furry. And only wrestles in a fursuit. Oh my goodness. I, I also think the influencer is a really good one. Their whole gimmick is just taking selfies mid-match. So Sammy? A little bit, but like they're a masked wrestler. Oh, okay. I see. A central worker who's just like, a, a, again, a masked wrestler and a jobber. Yep. Shows up, does his job, gets his pay. It's a very, like, samey looking sort of wrestling mask. Okay, I'm done with this list. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to finish up the match before we get distracted again. We have three matches left. We need to... (laughs) (laughs) So, the ending comes when Penelope Ford gets up on the apron and distracts Chuck and the ref. Uh, She gets, gets taken off. Orange comes up and does the same, taking off his jacket, distracting Kip. Uh, Jimmy Havoc then jumps Orange Cassidy, pulling him off the apron and giving him a cradle DDT onto the outside. Right. Which, and, and like, I, I appreciate that Orange Cassidy, like, took off his jacket and started, like, wiggling his chest at Kip Sabian yep. the same way that Penelope Ford did to Chuck Taylor. Oh, it's so good. I love it. During that, Kip is able to distract the ref so Penelope can get in, hit a top rope her and Rana. On Chucky for three. Mm-hmm. And then we had a celebration on the outside between Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford, and Jimmy Havoc. The polyamory angle that wrestling needs. Yes. But we need more polyamorous wrestling representation. Yeah. I was really hoping that Kip and Jimmy would kiss, just like Kip and Penelope did. You know what? Bisexual polyamory is okay in my book. <laughs> Give me that representation. Exactly. <laughs> But seriously, I, I would like it if it became a polyamory angle, because I think that'd be pretty awesome. And I right. like all the three people involved, so... Especially in comparison to the way that WWE has 
played anything making rusev a fucking cuck and then firing him six months later yeah we'll get to that in what's that's coming up Mandy Otis was very good, but the writer for that got fired. <laughs> yeah. So our next match was, by all definitions, another squash match. Yeah, another jobber by the name of Justin Law comes out to face Sean Spears. And I I kind of marked it right at the start. Like, yeah, no, he, he kind of looks like a Justin. That, that's what I expect a Justin to look like. Yeah. They kind of have very distinctive features. Yeah. Yeah. Not a name I like. No, it's it's not my favorite. It's not even the top 100. I'm sorry, Justin Law, but we kind of have to use you for this. <laughs> it's okay. He's a jobber. What does he matter? Remember, <laughs> I'm the heel. Now, I did notice when, when he came into the ring, he had a big handprint on his chest. So I'm not sure if maybe someone chopped him on his way to the ring or they had to reshoot his entrance. <laughs> they might have had to reshoot his entrance. I tried to look when it started, but I couldn't get it clear enough to, to see. But yeah, basically, Sean Spears dominates the entire match. Yep. Justin Law takes snapmares that I, I'm pretty sure are going to end up breaking his neck. Because he's he's a good few inches off the mat when he starts, like, twisting. Mm-hmm. So, it, it looked pretty rough. Yeah. But, you know... Two minute, 15 second, fine rebound win for Sean Spears, who frankly needs to pick up more W's. Yeah. Now, there was a good spot in here where Spears challenged him to an amateur wrestling match. Mm-hmm. And Justin Law almost got a three count on him. Right, right. Where they, like, he goes into base position. Yeah, they mount it up. Does the, they do the cradle and, like, it was, it was... He was actually very, like, arrogant Sean Spears, which I liked. Yeah. And I liked that it almost backfired on him. Yeah. You know, he came right back after that trap in the corner and hitting a C4. But, you know, it it was a good little showing. It was something that you wouldn't expect to see. No. So, good match. Good on you, Sean Spears, for winning another match. We love wrestlers from Niagara. Niagara region, sure. Not Niagara itself? No. He's not from Niagara Falls. Not even the one Dunkin' Donuts that's like right on the border and one of the few Dunkins that's in Canada. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually been to that one. Actually, I should check if the one down the road is still open. It's just like, why would you go to Dunkin' when there's a Tim's right there? Because <laughs> neither of them are any good. Tim's is... Emma is going to gloat about this, but Tim's is actually slightly better than Dunkin'. Yeah, but still... <laughs> anyway <laughs> so we get our matches for next week orange cassidy versus jimmy havoc that's gonna be cool i hope they let orange cassidy shout and talk <laughs> and be orange cassidy yes yeah be the beyond wrestling orange cassidy <laughs> we get we have uh darby allen versus sammy guevara which is our tournament match and then kip sabian versus dustin which is, I think, our other tournament match. Yeah. Now, those can still save my bracket a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I can't quite make it to the finals now. Because I did pick Colt to go over Lance. And I picked Colt to go into the finals. But if I can still get Kip and Sammy, then I, I'm i not completely out. Yeah, you're doing all right. 
And then Kenny Omega will be in action. That's all we have. So I assume it's a squash match. Probably, yeah. They only ever say that when it's a squash match. Let's be honest, I would let Kenny squash me. I would cook Kenny some dinner with squash. (laughs) Also valid. Alright, so then we have our main event. The no-holds-barred empty arena match for the AEW World Title title, title. Champion John for like five minutes. Moxley versus Jake Hager with JR on commentary. JR on commentary was very good. I did miss hearing him. Um, I will say that I'm sure this match was planned back at All In and that they're going to go ahead with it either way. But at this time, seeing an empty arena show after so many other empty arena shows and seeing AEW's dynamite production of having something of a crowd Mm -hmm. it just it it felt weird yeah to go backwards right and it's important to note that this was filmed back in florida yeah this was filmed probably three weeks ago or so like before mania yeah so i can't fault them on it no i'm just saying that at this time seeing it was a bit weird no, and I think it, it was weird juxtaposition versus clearly the lessons that they learned from watching WrestleMania. Yes. Which reminds me, I need to cancel that free WWE Network dis- subscription. Yeah, that's not worth keeping around anymore. Yeah, fuck that. But yeah, this is like an all-out brawl, and it's a long, hard match. Keyword being long. Like, they went for a, for a good while on this, so this was 25 minutes? No? 30 minutes, 45 seconds. Mmm, it's even longer than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there were a lot of commercial breaks in this one. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, seeing it, it kind of went all over the arena. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt watching it that it should have been a shorter match for the sheer amount they were doing to each other. Right. Like, they should have been worn down that much quicker. And it didn't help that Hagar was sweating before introductions were done. <laughs> no, like, it, it didn't have the emotion of, like, Edge versus Randy Orton, but it kind of had that, like, we're going to beat the shit out of each other for half an hour sort of vibe. Yeah. And, I don't know, it should have been shorter. Now, we did see some cool stuff in it. We got to see Mox doing a figure four around a railing. Mm-hmm. Nice little Bret Hart shout out there. Got to see a paradigm shift, uh hit and then countered into a choke which mox was able to get to the ropes for yeah there was a lot that worked well in yeah. this match they they worked very well together for this uh, i especially like the chair stuff they were doing at the end where it was jammed into the corner and they kind of both avoided it until john just ran head first and hagar sidestepped him yeah no it like it was a good match it was just long and like i don't know that jake hager's someone who can work long matches like that yeah like i said he was very sweaty he was he was breathing pretty heavy right at the start mm-hmm. <laughs> so I- i'm sure his cardio is great and he just kind of like pushes himself a bit much but oh it wasn't the best look right at the gate of the match no and like he's kind of also got a not to like he's got a kind of limited moveset you know like well yeah he's got an mma moveset so he has things that work and work well and 
anything that doesn't is just cut. Right. Now, that said, actually, I was surprised to see during this that Hagar was the one going for strikes and kicks and all that, mm -hmm. and Moxie was the one grappling and wrestling. I think, like, one of the things that is kind of important about the way that Moxley works is that he he likes to meet guys on their level. Yeah. You know? And, like, part of that is wrestling them the way they're gonna wrestle you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty fucking cool that he does that. Now, it, it's also funny because it reminded me of the lead-up to the Moxley Omega match, mm -hmm. where in one of the promos specifically, Kenny had said, like, what are you gonna do, John? Are you gonna chain wrestle me for ten minutes and do all this? Like, and watching this match, like, he could've. He could've. Like, Kenny Omega isn't actually much of a chain wrestler. No. No, he, he's a he's a showman. Moxley can probably out-wrestle him. <laughs> Almost assuredly. Hello, Taco. How are you? Oh, my little boy. Oh, Sorry, we're going to have a cat here. break. Oh, someone's all wet from drinking water like an idiot. <laughs> oh, you can't drink water. Oh, it's a little buddy buddy. You can't drink water properly. My son is an idiot. But I love him. <laughs> we all love your son. I know he's such a sweet little boy. So yeah, no, like it. Couple things I felt like could have been different with this match. Jr. needs someone to help him out. Yeah, Espe like it could have worked in a full arena where crowd noise could fill in for the silence. But the silence where Jr. didn't have anything to say this time without someone helping him on commentary felt like you could hear a pin drop. Yeah, or. I was going to make a pun about pins and wrestling, but... Yeah, JR is very much the play-by-play -play guy. So when you have those slowdowns in, in the match, he really does benefit from someone on color analy analyzing it. Mm -hmm. Someone like Excalibur, someone like uh, Taz. Taz is actually really fucking good at it. <laughs> yeah. But it worked well, and we've got a very exciting episode next week. Yeah. More importantly, the ninth most important match in the Young Bucks career, BTE 200. Oh, I mean, that makes it at least the fifth most important match I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's all the AEW for this week. Um, You know what we haven't done yet this week? What haven't we done this week? Booty moments with Cat. Let's start some booty moments with Cat. Okay, whose butt do we want to talk about this week? We talked about Cody recently, right? We've done Kip twice. We've done the Young Bucks. We've done Sammy. No, we haven't done, done Cody. Cody has a really square butt. <laughs> All right. Not where I expect you to start, but go for it. Like, a really square butt. Six and a half. Oh, yeah, I see. Ah, wait. I might bump that up to a seven. And he's got some badock there, actually. Because there was that match where he had his trunks pulled down. Yep. That, that's the second image on uh, <laughs> the Google search for Cody Rhodes' butt. <laughs> Not bad, actually. Eh, it's a little square for my taste. Like I said, seven. This has been Booty Moments with Kat. Also, there's a picture here of Kenny Omega and Marty Skull kissing. Good for them. <laughs> hey, that's fine. So, let's move on to what's my beef oh so Aaron, what's your non 
WWE beef this week. So, earlier this week, AEW put out a notice that Double or Nothing is still planned to go on Mm -hmm. as a live event at the end of May. And I can't help but think that this is so fucking irresponsible. I have to wonder if it's like a Fight TV contract or like not a Fight TV, but a BR network and like their pay-per-view distributors, like... Because they picked up new pay-per-view distributors for this. Yeah, and then, you know, global pandemic. Right, but if, if you don't have, like, force majeure in your contract for the distribution of your pay-per-view, you still have to do a pay-per-view. Yeah, but, like, it's going to be at the end of May where, at best, we might be starting to come out of this. Right. Uh, so, to, to bring together wrestlers and staff and back end and whatever else it's just it's I, I don't really care whose fault it is but whoever's like final decision it was you know get fucked yeah it, uh, there's i have to wonder if they're taking an optimistic outlook and they'll revise whether or not it's live come the end of like this month or like mid next month i don't know i didn't i don't didn't see anything like that in the release but I mean, there was nothing in any releases leading up to that announcement. So, you know, I don't know. I hope that they do the right thing. Yeah. Now, they have said that because there won't be any audience in attendance, Mm -hmm. uh, all ticket sales could either be put in for a refund or would be valid for next year. So that's a good response out of this. I'm just angry that they're still planning to go on with it. Yeah, I... I don't know. I think it, like, I don't know. It's a weird position. Everyone's in a weird position right now. Now, I I am getting very heated. I got just as heated with the WWE stuff today, so I'm being consistent, or this week, so I'm being consistent. (laughs) Oh, I got more heated with the WWE stuff by far. That's valid. So, um, this week in Vince McMahon news, the XFL died. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, declared bankruptcy and closed operations in their bankruptcy filing it was revealed that despite the fact that it was stated that the wwe had no ownership stake in the xfl they owned about a third of the xfl then linda mcmahon's political action committee donated something like 18 million dollars for Republican re-election in Florida and the Trump campaign in Florida. And surprise, surprise, the very next day, the WWE was declared an essential business by the state of Florida. Go fucking figure. So with that essential business announcement in mind, we go into the next day where we find out that the WWE has fired, what, like 15 performers? It, It was quite a lot. And, like, that list kept growing all day. It really, really kept growing. Like, it was like, it, it. you'd read it, and you'd be like, wow, that's a lot of guys. And then you'd come back, like, two hours later, and you'd see a tweet from another guy. It's like, uh, oh, he got fired, too. Yeah. So, like, they got rid of Kurt Angle, Drake Maverick, Kurt Hawkins, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows. They got rid of Anderson and Gallows after they arguably co-headlined WrestleMania. After they just signed a new contract to do that, too. Heath Slater, 
Zack Ryder, like, they fired Rusev after they made him be publicly cuckolded. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe Rusev's into it, I'm not gonna judge. But, like, they fired so many people. They fired Sarah Logan, they fired EC3, Leo Rush, Eric Young, Aiden English. They got rid of both parts of Rusev Day. Arguably the best thing that they've done in a long time. They fired a shitload of producers. They fired writers. Good writers. Good writers. And, like, them, the very next day, they announced that they're on track to make a billion dollars in revenue this year. That's, like, assuming that they they don't do any more live, like, with audience pay-per-views for the entire calendar year. Yep. They will still pull in a billion dollars. They, they've had a statement out, like, just before that, where they had... 500 million sitting in a bank so it's clearly not a money issue for vince mcmahon to keep these people on payroll during a fucking pandemic he just wanted to fire them when it hurt the most Mm -hmm. when they can't get other work this isn't about saving money this isn't about your revenue streams this isn't about stakeholder profitability this is just vince mcmahon being petty as shit for the sake of being petty it's like firing a guy on a fucking Thursday because you know the other show he could have gone to was on a Wednesday night. So my beef this week is Vince McMahon and his dumpy looking suits and his stupid fucking walk cycle that looks like he was programmed in a Unity engine by someone who is just learning Unity. So don't watch the WWE. Anyway, that's, that's all I have to say this week. Yeah. I would like to state here that coming out of this week, I'm like just done with the WWE product where I like I, I keep up on just wrestling business news in general and it'll, it'll come in there because there's still a central of that, but I'm not following any of the show recaps, any of the storylines or nothing. No, I I like the Hogan thing was a bridge too far. Saudi thing was even further. And like, I watched WrestleMania because it's WrestleMania, but I'm not watching WrestleMania next year. No. Why should I have any desire to give any material support to a product that is as trash as god awful? Fuck it. I'm done with WWE. We're both done with WWE. And God, excuse me. I really hope their viewership takes a huge hit. Not that it hasn't been on a downward spiral already. Now, can we get some good news real quick? We can. So, in stark contrast to this, there have been reports coming out yesterday and today of Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling doubling down on their wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Ring of Honor, people have been saying they've been getting paid for shows that were canceled. Uh, New Japan, I saw an article this morning of they're still paying their wrestlers, they're still providing benefits. And I believe there's even a wrestler's coalition that talked to the Japanese parliament. I Uh think it's a parliament? I could be wrong. But uh, basically led by Tanahashi, saying that wrestling is among the last things that should be opened when everything starts to kick up again, because Uh it is such 
a close contact sport and the fans are in such close contact, it would be better if more important aspects were ruled out society first. society are reopened first, yeah. yeah. No, like, there's clearly a distinct difference between certain companies that, you know, make all of the worst possible decisions mm-hmm. and companies that care about their performers. W- ones that know how labor and capital actually work. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, shout out to Ring of Honor in New Japan and that League of Wrestlers who went and spoke about how their business was the least essential. Good for all of you. In the meantime, I'm a little drunk. We've been going for an hour and 45. Let's end this fucking thing. Let's do it. Okay, so friends, as we say here, as our sign-off on Marking Out With My Girlfriend, be gay. Do crimes. Bang. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Hello everyone. Welcome to this week's stream of Marking Out With My Girlfriend. Aaron, I don't know if you've unmuted or not, but you're just going to leave me floundering here? I totally am, you know. You're you're, you're still (laughs) muted, honey. She's still muted. But it'll show up on the recording. Yeah, it will. So is that an Easter egg for me for later? Yeah, totally. Save it as a .fla for later. It's a flash file. Mmm. Flate, <laughs> got it. Fuck. <laughs> oh, That's gonna be the end slate for this episode. Yep. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way really quick. Yeah, that's perfect.